Well, we've been talking in a series, this is week seven. The series is entitled Divine Healing, and we've talked about principles of receiving that. These principles of faith, though, work for everything. The last two weeks, we've been talking about something really important, and I wanna, I'm hoping I could kind of finish this thought tonight uh, about how to guard your thought life and how to maintain a proper thought life. So I really want to get into tonight how your soulish realm, how, how it affects every area of your life. So if you have your Bibles, Proverbs 23, 7 is a foundational scripture we've been talking about every time. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. That first half of that verse, that's what I want you to see. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. And we define the heart, it literally would be, you would literally say it, the mind, the soulish realm. That's what that Hebrew word means. In other words, as you think within your mind, so are you. Wow, that's a big statement. So you could say this, where you are today is the sum total of your thought life, what you've, what you've, what you've allowed yourself to think. Your thought life, we've talked a little bit about this, but your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, that is the control center of your life. You, are, you and I, as children of God, we are a spirit. Actually, every human being, God made us a spirit. And we possess a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. The problem is, when Adam sinned, Man's spirit died spiritually and was separated from God, but God solved that problem by sending his son in the likeness of flesh, in the very likeness of man, and Jesus took our place and literally redeemed us from spiritual death. So now when we receive Christ, the Bible says old things pass away. What is that? That old spirit man that was dead and separated from God, right? This is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 through verse 21 really lays that out. So that old spirit man's gone. The sin nature is gone. All of my sin was literally condemned in the body of Jesus. My sin nature was condemned in the body of Jesus. Now, the Holy Spirit, when I invite him in to make Jesus the Lord of my life, I, the Holy Spirit comes into me, makes me brand new. I'm a brand new spirit being on the inside that has the life and nature of God in me. I become God's child. I'm born again, the Bible says, by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Isn't that good news? We're not just, whenever, it's funny, in the epistles, wherever you see, it talks about believers in relationship to God, it never calls them servants. We are not, in our relationship with God, we're not a servant. We are a son and a daughter. As I minister, as you minister in the earth, whenever it talks about us doing things in ministry at all, we're servants, right? We're servants of the Lord carrying out his plan and purpose in the earth. But we're his children. So now, 
When we were born again, everything became brand new on the inside. But did you notice your body didn't change? Right? I mean, you don't get born again. Like, when you see me in eternity, the first thing you're going to do is go, wow, you look good. Because I, I, don't, I don't really look like this. Right? Because I mean, I, I understand. I mean, you know, talk to my wife. She thinks I'm the most handsome thing that's ever hit the earth, you know. Love is, we'll just say, we'll just go on. We'll just go on. But anyway, but you know, in my, in my glorified body, which will not age, I'll look like a young man. If you have loved ones that grew old and, and passed from this earth that are in heaven, listen, if you want to see what they look like today, go look at a picture of them when they were like 28, 30 years old, 32, whatever. So, so you'll see what they look like. No sign of age, Amen. right? So our bodies didn't change. If your hair was gray, it didn't, it didn't change colors. If you lack hair, all of a sudden hair didn't appear, right? In the same way, though, you now were given the mind of Christ, okay? So now your mind, part of your soulish realm now, has the ability to know God. Why? Because you're a brand new spirit, so now you could understand spiritual things. The Bible says to people that are perishing, people that don't know the Lord, all this stuff we talk about is foolishness. But they could go from that stupid to I'm all in when the Holy Spirit wakes up their conscience and they choose Christ, right? So, but I, I have the ability now to understand God and know him but I need salvation because my spirit was made new and then the Holy Spirit of God, the third part of the Trinity, he took up eternal residency in my spirit and now he's my guide, he's my teacher, he's the agent of divine revelation. I cannot, I could read this Bible, but I can't, I could even listen to it, I could even memorize it, but I can't know it in my mind only, it's got, I've got to know it in my heart. He has to open God's word to me so that I see it. We call that revelation knowledge. And when that opens in my spirit, man, now what happens is my spirit will communicate the word of God to my mind. The Holy Spirit never talks to my mind. He talks to my spirit. Satan can't talk to my spirit. He'll just throw thoughts in my mind. That's, that's his game. The Bible says that we're not to be ignorant of his devices, right? And we know, what does he do? The wiles of the devil. We're to stand against them. And that word wiles, although that sounds really wild, it just means, that Greek word means to travel down one road one way. How does he come against every one of us? Right? And this is talking about Ephesians. He comes at every one of us by throwing thoughts that are contrary to God's word in our mind. Thoughts. He is the devil. Diabolos is the, is the word. Dia. It means to penetrate through to the other side of something. By abolos, by throwing something blow after blow after blow. He will throw thoughts at you over and over and over. You're never going to be healed. This is getting worse. You can't do this. When God says you can, do all things through Christ, right? 
He'll throw those thoughts, trying to get you to take them. And he'll do that until he penetrates your mind. But guess what? You don't ever have to have him penetrate your mind. Because he knows if he could penetrate your mind, that's the control center of your life. This is why the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart or in his mind, so is he. So let's look at the New Testament scripture that, that says the same thing. So jump over to 3 John 2. 3 John 2. I love this verse of scripture. We're going to open this up a little bit tonight. You know, I always quote this scripture, but I don't know that I've ever really opened it up to you. But tonight we're going to do that. The Lord, the Lord told me to open this up. So, you know, I... <laughs> so it's so cool when God tells you to do something because it's impossible to do that without the help of the Holy Spirit because he's really the one that opens it up, right? So, so we're going to open this up. And when we said we, we're going to open this up, that's right. He's going to open it up. I'm along for the ride, and I love the ride, right? Third John 2. Actually, let's start in verse 1. Third John. Well, let's just, ne- never mind. Let's just start in verse 2. It says, Beloved... I wish, well, in the Greek, John wasn't wishing. The word is pray. Beloved, I pray above all things. So here is John. He's the only disciple that's still alive. Probably been walking. When Jesus said, come follow me, they estimate he was anything, anywhere from 13 years old to 16 years old. He was, he was very young. He was... He called himself, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved, right? It was said of him that they didn't, because Jesus said when Peter's like, hey, he was always in, in, you know, he was, I mean, if they were running to a tomb, John would outrun them and Peter would be ticked, you know? They're always competing. And so Jesus, or Peter's saying to Jesus one time, he's like, hey, what about John? Because Jesus is kind of like, Talking to Peter about how he's going to, hey, when you get older, people are going to take you where you don't want to go. Talking about his death. And so Peter, being Peter, instantly said, well, hey, what, what about John? And, and Jesus said this, hey, what, what is it if he, if he lives until I come back? So when Domitian, the, the, the Caesar of Rome of the day, when John would not proclaim him as Lord, could you imagine... They, what they would do is they would tie or wire a person to a chair, a metal chair, and lower them in boiling oil. So here's Domitian. He's, John's in this chair, and they're lowering him. And guys, I don't think they lowered him really fast because they wanted to hear the screams. Could you imagine dipping your hand in boiling oil? That would not feel good, right? So they, they just keep lowering. I mean, could you imagine? I would love to see their face. I, you know, I hope in eternity that I could just, you know, because the Bible says he sh- the Holy Spirit shows us things. It says to come. So I'm a little bummed about that. But, but you know, I'm hoping that when, when, I, when I sit in that class, the Gospels, you know, or, or when I'm with Jesus or just talking to the Holy Spirit, hey, can, can you show me that? Right? Because could you imagine? They're all thinking, dude, you're going to be screaming. You're going to be begging me to let you say that I'm your Lord. 
you could imagine. Yeah, you're, you're all bold now, but wait till we dip your feet in boiling oil. And could you imagine to their astonishment when John's feet are in boiling oil and he's sitting there? Probably like, I'm the, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. You know? Wow, my skin is sure going to be soft after I come out of this oil. Could you imagine? And they keep lowering him, and he's not screaming. But then Domitian says, okay, last chance, because I don't care. Mate, I don't know what's going on here. You're not burning, but try breathing underneath oil. So his whole, he gets submerged. Now what would happen... Well, I shouldn't say that. Well, you guys probably ate dinner a little while ago. So what would happen when they would boil people in oil, when they would come out, basically all of the, the skin, muscle, everything would fall off the bone, and there'd just be a skeleton, be nasty. Everything's just kind of bubbling, right? They bring John, so they, he's underneath, and God is keeping him alive. You know, you can't breathe under oil. But isn't, see, God promised when you walk through the fire, I'll be with you and it won't even, you won't even have a residual of even smoke. When you go through rivers, whatever you face in life, there will be storms in life, but we fear no evil because he's our deliverer, right? The angel of the Lord encamps round about us to deliver us. So John comes out of there, Domitian, could you imagine their face? And so he gets so mad, he exiles him to the island of Patmos. They said, John was there for about 18 months. Domitian died. And John, they sent him back to Ephesus. And this is now, now this, he's writing this at the end of his life. He's probably, you know, they figure, I've heard as young as 85, probably around 90 years old. So he'd been walking with Jesus a long time. And look at what he says. Beloved, I am praying above all things that you would prosper and be in health. Look at, look at the disclaimer, though. Even as your soul prospers. You're, you're never going to be able to prosper in your body, in your finances, beyond what you're prospering in your soul. Why? Because your mind is the control center, your soulish realm. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are the soulish realm. It says here, above all that you may prosper. This Greek word for prosper means that you may be granted a prosperous journey. Your journey, God's path for you, is a prosperous one. The Bible says the path of the righteous is one of increase. That it grows brighter and brighter to the full day. See, we don't hear that, do we? Religion has taught us for over 300 years now, well, you know, sometimes God is good, but sometimes he's just teaching you, and you never understand his ways because his ways are higher. And then they stop there. They don't read from that verse where it says his ways are higher than our ways in Isaiah. They don't keep reading that he shows us his ways, right? 
So, so religion will say God will bless some, not others. You almost get this feeling like your life is a divine experiment and God's up there in heaven and he's like, okay, I'm going to test. I'm going to test Rob's faith. I'm going to allow this to happen in his life just to teach him, right? And then people will start quoting Job. Well, see, look at Job. And, and when somebody says that, it's very obvious that they've never read the book of Job, right? And uh, I've, of, I've often wanted to teach on the, on the book of Job because it's so good. But that's, there's no scriptures. The Bible says, like some people say, well, you, you know, sometimes God says yes and sometimes God says no. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says all the promises of God are yes in Christ and amen or so be it unto you in Christ, right? So this word prosper, it means to grant a prosperous journey. It means to be led by a direct and easy way. Now, if you've lived like me, man, I have taken the scenic route on some things. Not the easy way. No, we're going to go around the mountain because we're afraid or we're not trusting God or we're just like, you know, I just don't know what God wants me to do when all the time we do know, we just don't want to do it. Right? No, this word means he wants to lead you by a direct and an easy way. Take my yoke upon you. Take That yoke was a rabbi's teaching, Jesus said. My yoke is easy. My burden, it's light. You want hard? The way of the transgressor, the Bible says, is hard. You know, when a Christian chooses not to do what the Word says, that's hard. Now, here's the thing. It may not be hard right away, but just wait over time, it will get hard, right? So why? Because if we're, if, we're, if we're not where we're supposed to be, many times we invite and allow the enemy in our lives and he starts stealing the word from us so that he could kill and destroy things. I see this so often. Man, parents with kids from, from as young to when they grow up, the greatest thing we could teach them is God's word is true, and following him is life, right? And here's the thing, we can't teach them that by just saying that. We have to live that. It's so important. And what does that mean? That means that your son or your daughter needs to see you mess up or do something wrong or even be in a wrong place, and they see you make a change, and don't make excuses. They see you change, apologize, and get back in the right place. Right? It's important for them. It's important for them to see a lifestyle of you putting God first. Hallelujah. So a prosperous journey. It's, this word means to make prosperous, to give success to. So notice from this, it's saying that God's ability to lead you, to grant you a prosperous journey, to lead you and guide you in a direct and easy way, his ability to bring success into your life will be dependent upon you allowing your soul to prosper. That's pretty serious, right? But then it doesn't stop there. It says, and be in health. 
This word means to have sound health. It means to be well in body. This is not, you can't take this word and go, well, he's talking about spiritual health. If you're born again, your spirit is healthy. But your spirit can be healthy, right? Made brand new, but if you don't renew your mind, right? It says here, God's ability to cause you to have sound health, to be well in body, to be in good health, is going to be dependent upon how your soul is prospering. Isn't that amazing? He finishes by this, by verse 2, he says, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, even as you walk in the truth. Well, what's truth? You could, you could go like this because the Bible says, John 17, 17, thy word is truth. So you could, you could read it like this, for I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the word that is in thee, even as you walk in the word of God. It's a sad thing when a Christian does not doesn't take wrong thoughts captive and all of a sudden they are living living completely stimulated by natural things and they have no desire for the word of god and i'm telling you if you're not meditating in the word all the time if his word is not in your heart if you're not excited about the word of god then make that change because I'm telling you, to prosper and be in health, to, and, and by prosper, I'm talking about you walking out God's plan with your life. It's going to be dependent upon how you prosper in your soulish realm. So let's talk about it a little bit. The soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Your soul exists for the sole purpose of, of you making decisions. God gave you a soul so that you would make decisions. Okay? Remember Deuteronomy 30, 19? God says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, and then here's God because he's so good. So choose life so that you and your children will live. I've said this to men before. If you don't take care of the sin in your life, it'll be visited upon your sons. So get that stuff out of your life so your kids don't have to deal with it, right? I mean, they're going to be tempted enough with the world. They don't need that. Decision-making is what your soul exists to do. You make decisions and choices on the basis of the interaction between your mind and your emotions. You make decisions, every decision you make, every choice you make, it's on the basis of your mind and your emotions interacting, and then whatever is dominant, you carry it out by acting your will. Every decision every choice. Now, as I'm looking at everybody, one thing I know about all of us, 
I'll say starting with me. I know exactly what it's like to make a wrong decision, to make a wrong choice, right? And today, all of us have had a lot of opportunities to decide right or decide wrong. We need to talk about how this works. You know, this isn't the most popular thing, but I got to tell you, one thing that I love, Jeanette and I are not in this deal to be popular. We're in this, we're in this to help people. Because when you've been helped, you want to help. And this is how it works. I'd like to tell you that a decision or a choice happens another way, but it just doesn't. Your mind and your emotions will interact. And based on what's dominant, it'll cause you, your will will cause you to, to make a decision and go that way or make a choice, right? Your mind, what happens is your mind will do this. It'll perceive things. It will rationalize things. It will try to understand things. Understand what? What's going on, what it's, what it's seeing, what it's hearing, what it's smelling, what it's tasting. The circumstances, it's hearing people. This is why you can tell during this pandemic the people that watch a lot of the news, right? Because they're in great fear. This is why we got to be careful what we hear. So your mind perceives, it rationalizes, it understands, and then it will draw a logical conclusion to situations and circumstances. It'll rationalize, it'll look, and, and where does this come from? It's coming from what it's, the mind is acting based on what it's, what's coming through the five senses. Why do you think Satan is, I mean, he's the prince of the power of the air. Have you ever watched, I mean, everything is sold with sex. Everything, right? I mean, it, it's amazing. Turn on the Disney channel. Every parent's an idiot. And the age is getting younger and younger. It's just all about boys and girls. And now we're getting more same gender. But younger and younger and younger. Why? The enemy wants to lower that age of accountability. There, there's legislature in place that, that's trying to be put in place in this country where they lower the legal age for a consenting person down to like a child. I sat in a meeting, oh, I don't know, maybe a year, maybe, well, maybe a year and a half ago, and I was shown the book on sex education that OPS was, that they, that was wanting to be brought to OPS. It was pornographic. Why? Because everything is, he wants to stimulate our senses. So that's what your mind does. It looks and see if your mind's not renewed with the word, you're going to see everything wrong. So when your mind is not being fed proper information, then wrong decisions and wrong choices will result. Why, why does a person sin? Why does a Christian sin? Because they're a bad Christian? No. Most likely they're distracted or they're self-deceived if they're just hearing the word, but they're not 
or if they're just listening to the word, but they're not, it's not first place, it's a peripheral thing. The Bible says they're just self-deceived. But this is why. They're making wrong decisions and wrong choices because they're perceiving, they're rationalizing, they're understanding, and they're drawing logical conclusions that are wrong. When God says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, you have to make a decision because you're going to face things in life when you're going to look at it and go, yeah, I just can't. I can't do this. Right? And the Holy Spirit will be down on the inside and he'll be trying to tell you, hey, that's okay. Because your I can't do this plus me means you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Right? So now, let's talk about this. We're talking about the role of the mind here. Intellectually, you're absorbing and you're evaluating information that's coming through your five senses. Emotionally, see, what you do is you absorb this in your mind, and emotionally, you'll feel certain things about the circumstances or the situations, right? So in other words, you'll see something, you'll hear something, and all of a sudden, an emotional response will come up in you. And now, not only are you seeing it or hearing it, now you're feeling it. Have you ever saw an email or a text from somebody, and all of a sudden, the emotion was, I'm not happy anymore. I'm angry. You go to a doctor, and he shows you your MRI and says, see, here's the tumor, and it's grown. And then all of a sudden, emotion, you get an emotional response, right? This is how your mind works. You interact your mind's evaluation and your emotional response to it, and then you enact your will, right? Based on those two things, you enact your will and you make a decision or a choice, and this happens very quickly. All of you made a choice to come here tonight. I wonder how many of you, maybe you felt tired. Maybe you had quite a day. Maybe you're hoping I end this sermon soon because you are tired, right? Don't worry, your spirit will get it if you fall asleep. It's all good. But, you know, whatever that is, you, you ultimately, there was something in you that you made a choice. I'm going to invest this time and I'm going to go to church tonight, to worship God, to receive from him, to minister to my brothers and sisters, and, and, and that you just made that decision. Some people that were supposed to come didn't. Right? Some people, they, they, they didn't. How did that happen? Something, they, they saw something, they heard something with their mind, then they felt something about it, and just said, yeah, I'm just too tired to go to church tonight. Does that make them a bad Christian? Not at all. Is God mad at them? No. No. Not mad at them. Right? Does that make sense? So now, your ability to think. What we're saying. I'm say, do you notice how I'm saying the same thing every time? But I'm saying it a little different. This is the way the Lord taught me 
This is why I'm reading a lot of this. Because it'll help you see some things when, when, it, when it mixes with, beloved, you're going to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. See, what are we talking about? We're, we're, literally, we're literally doing a study on 3 John 2, Proverbs 23, 7. Why am I teaching this? Because in this time that we're living in, we are living at a time of incredible speed. There are things, their technology's changing, all this stuff happens. You know, you can't ever get away from work because now it's all right on your phone, it's on a tablet. You know, you could be distracted all day, every day. And so for you, and, and the stakes are getting higher, we're living in perilous times. And I'd like to tell you those times are going to get better, but they're not because it's birth pangs. We're getting closer to the end. But they are not to dictate our life. So now more than ever before, when this pandemic hit, I, when we came back from Hawaii, we're thinking, okay, maybe this is going to be the start of an awakening and a revival. No? Nope. What happened is the people that were really hungry for the things of God, and why were they hungry? Because they're feeding on the word. They're pressing in. Other people are, I mean, I, I know people that just, they, they're just walking away. They don't honor God in any part of their life. He's this little peripheral. And, and boy, that, that's hard because, man, what happens when the next wave of something hits and it's a little bit bigger? I'm telling you, you're going to see the people that are just putting God first, that the only difference is they're willing and obedient. You're going to see them walk in great peace and great safety, great health, great prosperity. Others, it's like they're just going to be swept. I, I hate to say that, but this, these are the times we're living in. This is why we're teaching this tonight. God has no plans for you to ever go backwards. But God is standing, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart, he's going, listen, or at the, really at the door of your mind, he's going, come on, let me in, let me have first place, because my spirit will walk you through all of this, and you will be a glorious church. This is so big. Your ability to think interacts with your feelings, and what does it produce? What you're thinking interacts with your feelings and it produces a desire. That's what happened. You were thinking, it mixed with some feeling in you, and all of a sudden you had a desire, man, I need to go to church tonight. It's the way in every decision and every choice in your life, this is the way it happens. Every time. Every time. Satan knows this and God knows this. This is why if you look at the epistles, it talks about this all the time. All the time. So your ability to think interacts with your feelings and a desire is birthed and all decisions come out of your desires. This is why God says, I want you to delight in my word so that I could give you the desires that are really in your heart. Remember the word desire? A true desire. D and sire is the word. Of the Father. Every true desire is from God. 
But if you're thinking wrong things because your intellect is looking only at natural things, you're not in the word, you're going to decide wrong because your emotions are going to be twisted. And, and all of a sudden, these desires that are coming up, you're going to desire to maybe look at things you shouldn't look at. You're going to desire to disobey the word of God, which, which doesn't help your life ever, right? But you don't have to live that way. Whatever is the dominant influence over your thoughts and feelings, whatever it is, is controlling your decision-making process. Everybody who's not serving God thinks, I'm just living, I want to live my own life. I don't want to be a Christian. But you know there's not one person that's living their own life. Not one. There's not one Christian that's living their own life. Man was not created to live their own life. We as believers, we live our life in unity with God and in unity with one another. The atheist, the agnostic, the intellectual who thinks, no, that, that, that Bible stuff is just ridiculous. They, what they don't realize is this is exactly what's happening. Whatever the dominant influence over your thoughts and feelings is, that's what's controlling your decision-making process. Wow. See, what happens, then you enact your will and you make a choice or a decision. That's, that's just what happens. What you choose or decide depends on who or what is controlling your soulish realm. It's the soul is the control center. Paul said this, and the clock's going too fast tonight, so we probably aren't going to get there. But Paul said this, I mean, he was very adamant about this, that your, your life is transformed by the renewing, the renovation of your mind, right? It's everything. Whoever controls your soul will control your destiny. God, and see, this is it. God wants you and I to train our souls to be subject to our spirit so that we can live a Holy Spirit-led life. There's so many people trying to be led by the Holy Spirit, but they can't be because they haven't trained their soul to be subject to their spirit. See, your spirit is completely subject to the Holy Spirit, wants to be. But that won't mean anything if your soul is not trained to be subject to your spirit man. But oh, if you will build the word of God in your heart and so that the word will come out of your heart and wash over your mind and renovate your thinking, now you'll be led by the spirit of God and you could live a Holy Spirit-led life. So let's look at the role of our minds. God wants you to use your brain to understand the word of God. Romans 12, 2 talks that we're to renew our mind. We are not to remove our mind, right? A lot of Christians, they, they live their life like they've removed their mind, right? They walk in denial, they walk in unforgiveness, and, 
and they, some, some think they're spiritual giants, and if they could see their spirit, they'd be embarrassed because they're sitting there in a diaper because they've never fed, you know? Some people think, well, just because I go to church, I'm mature. Or some people think, just because I'm a pastor, I'm spiritually mature. No, brother. No, no. Going to seminary is not going to make you spiritually mature. What's going to make you spiritually mature is when you renovate your thinking to come in line with the Word of God. God wants you to train your soul so that you, literally, your spirit controls your soul. Your spirit is the gatekeeper. My spirit is the gatekeeper. It determines when a thought hits my soulish realm, take that captive with the word of God. But if my spirit is not being fed, that won't happen, right? So let's look at this. God ordained processes of the mind. These are ordained by God. What are they? To perceive, to understand, to rationalize, to draw logical conclusions. God made your mind to do that. And the current quality of your life is a direct result what you've been doing with your mind. Uh, is your mind constantly, does, does it have a constant washing of the water of the word? I, I still remember a lady came up to me right before, right before Jeanette and I went to Rama, And, you know, I was talking to her and uh, we were at this neighborhood garage sale. It's funny, I think we were at the home of the girl I dated, her parents, right? Yeah, when I dated in high school. But anyway, we're talking, and this lady goes, oh, you're going to Bible school. Where are you going? I go, oh, I'm going to this place in Oklahoma. It's called Rama Bible Training Center. Oh, I, you better pray about that because, man, you don't want to be brainwashed. And I told her, I said, no, ma'am, actually, my brain... It needs a good washing. I, I, want, I need to be brainwashed. We need to be brainwashed with the word of God. Actually, the proper term would be mind-washed because your brain is just the physical organ that your mind works through. That's why as you get older, you want to make sure that you're speaking life over yourself because what's happening now is people's brains are not able to... They're, they're, their mind is not able to function through their brain. So when you get older, don't, you know, if you forget where your keys are, don't go, well, you know, it's because I'm just getting older. No, 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 no. No, our mind should be getting sharper. Daily decisions determine your quality of life. When the mind is not being fed proper information, Wrong decisions are made. So let's look at the emotions just real quick. Emotions, why are emotions bad? No. God gave you emotions. They're only bad when they're twisted. When, when they're twisted by somebody who's looking at life through the wrong lens. We look at everything through the word of God. Emotions are designed by God to give us momentum toward the things God has called us to do. I'm very emotional and very passionate about pastoring. It's what God's called me to do. 
I love it. I thank him every day. Right? My emotions, they, they give me momentum towards that. Why? Why are my emotions so strong that help me? They're a result of what I've meditated on. Your emotions are going to be a result of what you meditate on. This is why God said to Joshua, listen, dude, you meditate in my word day and night so that you will observe to do what's written in it. Then you'll go make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. If you're meditating on wrong things, what is, what is the counterfeit of meditating in the word? It's worry. You're med- when you're worried, you're meditating on the wrong thing. And it'll mess with your emotions. This is, this is the foundation. You want to change your emotions, just start meditating in the Word. And, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, as He brings revelation, it'll literally just straighten out your emotions. All of a sudden, you will literally be motivated to forgive and walk in love and walk by faith. You'll look at the biggest battle in your life and you'll laugh and be at peace and go, yeah, this is going to be awesome. That you just will. And you'll be, I mean, why did David, why did he, when he saw Goliath, could you imagine David, little worship leader with skinny jeans? Right, this little dude, man. He can sing, he could play. He takes five stones in a slingshot and he's going after Goliath. Okay, so Goliath is nine foot six. Now, I, I used to be around NBA players. They're huge. The other day we were at First Watch and there was a young man, 7-1. Sarah's like, wow, you're tall, right? He played for the Bulls. He was only 7-1. He would have looked like a child. So right here, that's eight feet. So you go two feet above that. Could you imagine how big his shoulders would be? The guy would be massive and he's been trained from a child to be a killer. David grabs five rocks because all David saw, what, what his intellect was perceiving is this guy has no covenant with God and I do. And it says that David ran at him. He was energized with his emotions, the momentum. Why? Because his mind, his intellect interacted and said, no covenant with God, I have a covenant with God. God's not with him, God's with me, right? And it it interacted with his feelings, all those feelings of the times of worship he would have his whole life. And all of a sudden, these feelings interact, and he's going, Saul, please, come on, I know I'm little, but I could take this guy out. He doesn't have a covenant with God. And by the way, you know David never asked how big he was. Did he? But he asked several times, hey, can you remind me, what do I get? Oh, the king's daughter who's gorgeous? No taxes for the rest of my life? That's awesome. Tell me what I get. It says, so those two things interacted, and now his will, and now the desire's there, and he ran at Goliath. He was so excited. I mean, it's crazy. He, he went from... I'm going to t- he had five stones. History tells us that Goliath had four brothers. So that's probably why he had five stones. It wasn't 
Well, in case I miss, I want to have another stone. I need a plan B. No, you don't need a plan B when you walk with God. But David's like, you know, he calls David, what, what is, who are you? And, and David's like, wait a minute, I'm going to take your head off. I'm going to cut your head off. David, by the way, you only have a slingshot. You don't have a sword. I don't care, I'm going to use your sword, cut your head off, and then I'm going to kill all y'all. I'm serious. He, why? Because he was so excited. Why do we have people that have lived and sat under the word for decades, have 2,000 years of revelation knowledge? David wasn't even born again, and all of a sudden we get a past due bill and we freak out. What am I going to do? Why do we freak out? Because our mind is not renewed with the word of God. So we're seeing everything. Oh my gosh, my paycheck's going to be this much. This is this much. What am I going to do? All these feelings come up. If you've ever been in financial lack, man, it talks to you, doesn't it? If you've ever faced anything where the doctor goes, I'm, I'm so sorry, there's nothing we can do. Right? I was just listening to a pastor the other day. He was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Every lymph node, I think from his neck down, was full of cancer. So when he got up to preach at this church, this was several years later, he goes, listen, I'm here today with a message from God, and I really don't care what you think. He says, you know when people are supposed to die and they don't? They're like really old people. They don't care. I'm just here to bring you the word. If you like it, great. If you don't, great. I'm just here to bring you the word. I shouldn't even be here right now. If it wasn't for the healing power of God, I wouldn't be here. I, you know, this message is coming off a lot different than I thought it was supposed to. I didn't even think about David and Goliath, but this is how it happened. I'm telling you, if you'll feed on the word of God, it'll come out of your spirit and it'll renovate your thinking to where now your thoughts, you look at a situation and you look at it and go, that is nothing compared to him. See, David never even asked how, how big Goliath was, never said anything about it. it. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, king, if you don't throw us in, we're not bowing. If you do throw us in, our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. They knew going in they were going to go through it. Daniel went into the lion's den. Hebrew 11 tells us in faith. He knew he wasn't dying that day. And God has told you and I as a New Testament believer, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll make you the head and not the tail. And what do we do? We don't even crack this book. And we will believe a criminal record from a past mistake above what God says that I call you a world overcomer. And we'll let that stop us. Nothing can stop you except you. You can choose not to be a world overcomer. But if you won't choose that, God will see to it that you overcome everything. How do I know that? Because God has said in his word, which is not subject to debate, or change, he says, my father always causes you to triumph. 
Isn't that amazing? Whoever is born of God, in the, it's a continual present tense in the Greek, continually overcomes the world system. Wow. What you consistently think about and the words that you speak will direct what you feel emotionally. Now I'm closing with this. This is very important that you see this. What you consistently think about and the words that you speak out of your mouth, that is what directs you to feel a certain way emotionally. So if you are, are, are facing depression, anxiety, if you're not happy, you can change that tonight. How do you do that? You start going to the Word of God. We know this about Jesus. We know this about God. He meets everybody right where they are. He doesn't get down on anybody for the mess they've created. And the Holy Spirit is called to, to lead you and guide you into all the truth. He'll help you. A lot of us don't even know what the issue really is. But he'll walk us right through it all. And if we'll just change what we're hearing and we start putting the word of God first, all of a sudden, that word will come out of our spirit and it'll wash over and renovate our thinking. And all of a sudden, that will cause our emotions to come in line and we'll start making right decisions. I mean, it all starts by putting God's word first. I would tell you tonight that, that none of us have the time not to put this first. And none of us don't have enough time to finish strong. I don't care how old you are, how long you might have blown it, God will still get you through to the other end. Philippians 1.6, hallelujah. I want you guys to see that. Hallelujah. God wants us to feel excitement and enthusiasm and determination about what he's called us to do. Look at this. Being confident of this very thing that he which began a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He began it and he's going to perform it. He's the beginner and he's the performer. That's why he says, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. We must meditate on God's plan and purpose for our lives to feel these things. That's why if you're worrying about anything tonight, you have lost sense that God has a future for you. All worry flows out of that. But when you know, God says, God has granted me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, so that I can see and understand God's plan for my life, the hope of his calling. I have a future. God has a future for me. These emotions will produce momentum in the direction of your God-given destiny. In other words, the parable of the sower is true. Take all the pressure off yourself. It is the word of God that does the work. So what do you do? We're going to have to talk about this next week.
because I didn't get far enough. Do you guys, are you starting to get what I'm saying? You are a world overcomer. Don't believe what people say about you. Don't believe what your past mistakes might have said about you. Don't believe what your current circumstances are saying about you. You are a person that God has a glorious plan for. It's not too late. It's not over. Amen?